thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house you were built for me and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made and so all these things came to be. But this is the one to whom I'll look. He who is humble, contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Father, we pray that this lunchtime we would be those who are humble, contrite in spirit, and who tremble at the sound of your voice. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, good for you to join us if you just joined us uh, since starting. Um, we are looking at Isaiah chapter 44 today. Uh, but before we look at the passage, let me uh, give you draw a picture out for you. And imagine in your office, uh, there are two people that you speak to. Uh, one of them is Amy. Amy is from Southeast Asia. Uh, she's been seconded over. She's a real talent in the office. And uh, she's competent, hardworking. And she's also quite a, a nice girl. Uh, the other thing you know about Amy as well, she is, you know, on weekends, she goes to uh, Guang Temple, just down the road over there on some weekends. But that's Amy. And then on the other hand, you have this chap called Archie, okay? Archie, he is your born and bred Londoner. Um, he is the rising star of the company. He's your 21st century modern man. Uh, he you know, grew up going to the Church of England school, uh, but he's also an atheist. You know, he believes in, in science, uh, not God, self-belief, hard work, and determination. And then you have yourself, uh, a Christian who believes in the creator God and his son, the Lord Jesus. And God, he is the one and only true God. And so here's the question. Amongst the three of you, who is deluded? Who is being duped? Who is deluded? Is it Amy? Is it Archie? Or is it you? And this question on, on delusion, it may sound maybe a bit disrespectful to just suggest that someone's deluded. But if you think about it, well, it has to be. It has to be. You see, Amy, she believes that the path to enlightenment um, is through the teachings of Buddha. And then you have Archie, who believes there is no God, uh, no Buddha, no enlightenment, no God who created the heavens. And yourself, your claim that God he is the one true God. It's a mutually exclusive claim. Only one person can be right. So who is deluded? And actually those three people, uh, you might say it's a personification of three worldviews in our world today. Uh, Amy, she personifies guess, Eastern religions, uh, animistic religions, people who worship idols. And then you have Archie here representing the West, 21st century. Western man, uh, the self-made man. And then we have yourself, uh, so sitting there having your lunch, um, who believes in the only true God, uh, the God who created heavens and the earth. And so this three worldviews, it spans across the human race. And so which worldview is deluded? And see, the question, it really matters, right? It really matters if you're not a Christian, it matters about intellectual consistency. Uh, we can't all be right. 
And you know that if you are a Christian, it really matters. It has impact on your personal evangelism. You know, if you, you think about the person who you sit next in the office, he or she, they look really sorted. Life seems fine. But if they are deluded, they are believing a lie and they need truth. So who? Amy, Archie, and you. Who is deluded? And this is exactly what's been happening in Isaiah. Um, we've been in the courtroom. God has been summoning the nations to him, uh, the gods and Israel. And over the past few weeks, he's been speaking to Israel and his people. But today, in our passage, God, he's addressing those who worship idols. Baal, Nebo, Buddhism, Taoism, Hinduism. And what would God say to them? And I wonder what personal experience you have uh, with uh, visiting foreign temples. Maybe you've been to on holidays to Southeast Asia before. And, you know, you sign up for one of those like cultural tours. You know, they bring you to, to visit the ancient temples of Buddha or Hindu temples. I'm from Singapore, as many of you would know, and it's commonplace uh, to have temples around the nation. But the temples in Thailand, I tell you, they are really impressive. I remember being in Thailand before and uh, going to one of these temples. It was a really huge temple. And when you're walking from a distance away, you're really struck by how big it is. And as you walk up the steps, uh, you need to put your shoes to one side before you can step in. But already from the outside, before you step in, uh, you can hear the chanting that's going on, coming on from the inside. And then you can smell the incense uh, coming out from the room. And then you step in and then you look up. Uh, there's a huge golden Buddha, 200 feet, towering high. And he has eyes that look down on you. Uh, this huge statue of gold. And you hear the music, keep it chanting. And you hear the, and you smell the incense uh, going around. And it feels quite unnerving. It's a really imposing presence. But then you see people, some of them prostrate on the ground, some of them sitting there, meditating, and it's a bit unnerving. And so what would God say uh, to the idols, to those who worship idols, and to those who make idols? Look at verse 9 in our passage today, Isaiah 44, verse 9. All who fashion idols are nothing, and the things they delight in do not profit. Their witnesses neither see nor know that they may be put to shame. Who fashions a god or casts an idol that is profitable for nothing? Behold, all his companions shall be put to shame, and the craftsmen are only human. Let them all assemble, let them stand forth. They shall be terrified. They shall be put to shame together. You see what God is saying? Idolatry. Those who worship idols are shameful and are deluded. See the huge idols, they look impressive on the onset, imposing on the surface, towering high above you, 200 feet up in the sky with eyes looking down on you. But look at verse 11. Behold, all his companions shall be put to shame. And the craftsmen are only human. See, behind them, 
those idols is a semen mixer, is a construction worker, a crane operator. It is all a delusion. And Isaiah, he turns us and he points us to the manufacturing process of the idol. Look at verse 12. The ironsmith takes a cutting tool and he works it over the coals. He fashions it with a hammer and works it with his strong arm. And the image that you have is a man with a big beard, um, with a really big biceps, hammering away at the metals, forcing the metal to bend to his will. Then look at verse 12 again. He becomes hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. Uh, you hear the, the rumbling of the stomach uh, without food and water. The ironsmith is tired. He needs a breather and he grows faint. Look at the carpenter, verse 13. The carpenter stretches a line. He mocks it out with a pencil. He shapes it with a plane. He mocks it with a compass. He shapes it into a figure of a man with the beauty of a man to dwell in a house. The carpenter here is a bit more refined than the ironsmith. Quite a, probably quite a refined individual. Uh, he's got impressive skill. He's technically really gifted. And he crafts a beautiful man. But look at verse 14. He cuts down cedars or chooses a cypress tree or an oak and lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar and the rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes a part of it and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Also, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over the half he eats meat. He roasts it and is satisfied. Also, he warms himself and says, Aha, I'm warm. I have seen fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol. And he falls down to it and worships it. And he prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my God. They know not, nor do they discern. For he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their hearts so that they cannot understand. No one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say, half of it I burned in the fire. I also baked bread on its coals. I roasted meat and have eaten. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray. And he cannot deliver himself or say, is there not a lie in my right hand? Do you notice the, the comedy? It was quite dark comedy in our passage today. I see the idolater here. He seeks significance. Uh, he falls down and worships the idol. But he also seeks security. Deliver me, for you are my God. It is a delusion. Again, look at verse 18. They know not, nor do they discern. For he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their hearts so that they cannot understand. See, those who worship idols are deluded. 
Do you notice as well, those who worship, well, the outcome of it, they become like what they worship. A block of wood cannot see, cannot hear, cannot understand. And the block of wood is blind, is deaf, and dumb. And look at verse 9. Those who worship idol, well, they become like a block of wood. They neither see nor know that they might be put to shame. Those who worship idols, they become like a block of wood. They become less human. And so we become what we worship, blind, deaf, and without understanding. Uh, Here is my idol. You guys can see it online. Um, If you hear the start of the series, I bought it on Amazon. It was the cheapest on Amazon that could come the next day. Cost me about 250 quid. Came in this cardboard box. And um, it's probably made from quite cheap wood. It's not really good value. And it's a real delusion to think that this guy here, if I put it on my bedside, he can offer me prosperity, offer me health, offer me good luck. But it's also a delusion um, if you have a 200 feet version of this, thinking that it can offer prosperity, health, and good luck. You see, it's all man-made. It's all a projection of a deluded heart. It is an utter delusion. And it's worth being absolutely clear um, at this point, like what the Bible means about idolatry. I think often we think that idolatry is something that we, we care about too much, um, like your career or your money or a relationship. And there's some truth to that, and that's probably the second order of meaning uh, when the Bible speaks about idolatry. But more so, whenever the Bible speaks about idolatry, it refers to the millions or the billions of people around the world bowing down to a figure of a man or a fat man or a woman or an elephant or a cow, statues that are made by human hands. Burning joysticks, lighting candles, swirling holy water, thinking that a statue can offer peace, prosperity, and good luck. That is the main description of idolatry in the Bible. So again, many of you know that I'm from Singapore. And growing up, idolatry uh, was quite commonplace. Um, You had friends who would go to the temple, and some would uh, go to church. Um, Those who go to the temple, they have idols in their house to ward off the bad luck. And the Singapore government is big on this thing called racial and religious harmony. So we want to tolerate one another. And so everyone grows up thinking, each family to their own belief. Some go to temples, some go to church. But what does God think? Look at verse 19. No one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say, half of it I burn in the fire. I also bake bread on its coals. I roasted meat and have eaten. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? God thinks it is an abomination. It is an inversion of the truth. It is utterly humiliating. And so I wonder what you make of people who worship idols. Perhaps you go for your um, cultural exchange trip into Southeast Asia and you see people bowing down to idols. 
that you might see it as a cultural difference and you're free to uh, criticize or make a judgment because it would be culturally inappropriate. But let me say it is not a cultural difference. It is not about a different set of values. It is a travesty that millions, billions of people around the world prostrate themselves for a wooden statue. It's abomination that people will created to worship the creator God, but here they are bowing down to created things. A man, a statue, a cow, an elephant. And those who are worshiping idols, they become less human, more deaf, more blind, more deluded. It is an utter travesty. And who is deluded? Well, it's those who worship idols who are deluded. Well, but what about Archie? Uh, so standing over here, he's your, remember he's your 21st century um, self-made man. He has put his Christian heritage behind him. He has embraced atheism. I look to myself for meaning, for identity, my significance. I trust in my own strength to come out, um, to carve out my own destiny my security. Maybe Archie here is a bit superstitious during the World Cup. He wears red underwear whenever England's playing. But whether he bows down to wooden idols, uh, he doesn't do that. Uh, what do we make of Archie? And here's my suggestion, that 21st century Western civilization um, is the logical conclusion of all idolatry. It's idolatry in its purest form. See, classic idolatry, it projects the ideal man, uh, the ideal self, into an image. Look at verse 13. Uh, the carpenter, he's stretching a line. He marks it out with a pencil. He shapes it with a plane, marks it with a compass, and he shapes it into a figure of a man, a beautiful man to dwell in the house. A classic idolatry projects a man, and that projection becomes a source of significance and security. But the problem, it's man-made, an ironsmith, a carpenter. I create or fashion God to my liking. I choose the God I want. How about modern Western thought? See, the projection, it isn't a physical idol, but it is an idealized version of myself. Instead of a block of wood, I locate myself in the place of worship. Why bother to create a God when I can be God myself? I will create my own significance. I will save myself. I will achieve. I will accomplish. And what are the raw materials to build that idol? It's not a block of wood, but it's the accumulation of wealth for security and the accumulation of the praise of man for significance. And so the worship of self it is the logical conclusion of idolatry. And its delusion is so obvious. Uh, we think we are autonomous individuals. I decide right and wrong. I impose my beliefs and values on other people. I wear an armband in other nations. I think I'm invincible. I can do anything I set my mind to. And we sacrifice everything for the career. I think I am praiseworthy. I deserve praise. 
And so I crave for the praise of men. I think I'm supreme. I'm the greatest. And I puff myself up. It is Cristiano Ronaldo in his interview. I'm completely bulletproof. I'm ironclad. And in my life, my timing is always the right timing. No, you're not. You are but a man, an aging man, a vulnerable man. See, we project an idealized version of ourselves for significance and security. And of course, it's a delusion. Uh, we can't accept it when others have different value systems from us. Uh, we can't accept it when we can't please everyone. And we get mental anxiety when we are rejected by people. We can't be 100% consistent. We're often hypocritical. But more than that, we can't control the future. We can't deal with death. And we pretend that the world came from nothing and something can create itself. All it proves is our delusion. See, 21st century Western thought is the idol of I. It's the purest form of idolatry. It's idolatry in a shot glass, drunk, neat. And so you think about a dividing line. You have Amy, you have Archie, and yourself. And where will you draw the line? Who has the most in common? Or you might think Amy, because she believes in some sort of external power, that you have something more in common with her. But that's making a categorical error. Um, Archie and Amy, they are far more in common than it seems on the surface. Both religions are man-made, a projection of the self. So who is deluded? It's those who worship idols and themselves. It is those who are deluded. Verse 20 again. He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray. And he cannot deliver himself and say, is there not a lie in my right hand? But for the Christian, the answer is different. Significance and security. Well, it comes from the creator God. Look at significance, verse 21. Remember these things of Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. Significance by the one who creates, but also security. Verse 22. I have blotted out your transgression like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Security from the God who redeems. And so the prayer, this is lunchtime. As you head back to the office, is to have a right view of the world. Three worldviews that dominates the world. You have Amy, you have Archie, and yourself, the one who trusts in the only God. And so understand that those who worship idols are deluded, and those who worship themselves are likewise deluded. And it's an abomination that people around the world reject the creator God who created them. Why don't I pray for all time? The Lord says, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God who is like me. Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me. Our Father, we praise you that you are the only God, the one who is deserving of all worship, honor, and praise. And we do pray 
that we might see the world for how it truly is. And we ask this in Jesus' name.